welcome to this, another episode of Frame and Reference. I'm your host, Kenny McMillan, and today I'm talking with Katie Williams, who is a fantastic cinematographer. She shot um, Before the Dawn, won a bunch of awards for that. Um, she shot a bunch of uh, documentary stuff. Um, you know, she does a lot of uh, uh, like really highly technical car cinematography, which uh, we get into. She is a member of the American Cinematographer Motion Imaging Technology Council Lens Committee. I remembered it. Good for me. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, Cine Lens Manual just came out. That friend of the pod, uh, Jay Holbin uh, and uh, Christopher Probst uh, wrote. Christopher Probst, another member of the ASC. Um, so you can pick that up. She worked on that. She's been featured in American Cinematographer a handful of times. So, uh, you know, just a, a fantastic uh, person to talk to. I certainly learned a lot and I'm sure you will too. So uh, I'm going to now shut up and then immediately start talking five seconds later, like normal. So um, please enjoy my conversation with Katie Williams. What got you into filmmaking? And I, I know you kind of got a sim, similar start to a lot of people, which is like, you know, just picking up a camera and goofing off right. in case your sister or whatever. But um, like what what made you want to start shooting those little home videos? Right. I mean, I guess, yeah, we all kind of have a similar story, but the unique situation on my end is to have a twin sister that was doing the same thing. So um, I feel like anything that was around the house, we would try as children do, you know, finding whatever's. And yeah, when we found the camera and we started making home videos of whatever, um, generally learning things as we went, like you can actually hit start and stop. Other Before that, we were just like distracting the audience with like looking at a wall, you know, like, hey, check this out while the other one fixed whatever. And then, all right, back to your regular, you know, scheduled program. Right. Um, I remember being in middle school and kind of figuring out that that was like a legit career that you can pursue. But of course, it's all out further. Like when you're in middle school, it doesn't matter because you have to be old to work. And that's not to like 10 million years. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like knowing that that was a job option in middle school was really young and really kind of great that it was already on the radar. Um, but yeah, once it became more serious to figure out what you wanted to do, um, that was still an interest and that was still something to pursue. I didn't know at that point that I wanted to be like a cameraman or like what part behind the camera that you know, I was going to pursue her that she was going to pursue at one point. I think I wanted to do producing and she wanted to be the director, yeah. but clearly that's not how it ended up. So, or, or you, you never know. Yeah, you know, I don't trying. plan on producing. So, but you could, uh, were you watching like a lot of films growing up or was it more just like a hobby yeah, that you kind actually, of stumbled into? Yeah. I remember being in like second grade and my sister and I were obsessed with the Titanic movie. Like, yeah uh, yeah we would the even double vhs go by. yeah yeah that was yeah. so such a great movie i don't know for no second grade but it was like you know so i think and that has like some of the best cinematography you know from russell carpenter but maybe you know there was some inspiration from that there has to be you know um yeah very influenced on like classic movies like that and forrest gump so yeah, 
good taste since then. Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, I, I was thinking about that, like, because you, you're probably one of the younger people I've interviewed. And Are a you lot sure? of maybe I just look 12. I think so. Okay. I, wanna, I won't ask, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Based on my based on my my internal timeline, um, but uh, it there it does seem a lot of like the younger you skew, the more it, it's I'll put myself in that boat where it's like sci-fi or genre films that kind of like get people excited about film, and a lot oh, yeah. less like Criterion or <laughs> yeah. anything like that. Did you um, when you started to like you know realize like this was kind of your thing? Did you go back and look up a lot of? behind the scenes or like how stuff was made and stuff like that or because I know education is kind of something that excites you a little bit yeah which I think also came later you know like um as a kid you didn't know like the magic that went behind it it just kind of it happened like that's you just shot it you were ready to go right um but going back you know seeing even Russell talk about lighting that titanic and working with water and the specific challenges that come with that and safety protocol to have you know certain lamps you know not be able to explode everywhere um yeah it's like so it i'm so interested on like seeing behind the scenes on such a big scale movie like that because it's just so out of reach it seems um but it's really you know similar to what we do just on a bigger level (laughs) yeah do you, do you still buy like physical media so you can get like um, EPKs and like behind the scenes featurettes and stuff? Yeah. Like I literally just bought like the Blu-ray of a Conrad Hall movie called um, In Cold Blood. Cause like, you know, I just got that too. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I've been on a, uh, I've been on a criterion tear. So like they'll go on sale and I just end up yeah. picking up like 10 of them. Yeah. Well, I love owning the hard copies. Like, Blu-ray or DVD, uh, even CDs, but I'm running out of space. So I'm embracing the digital age, you know, <laughs> like let's just download it. But something like Conrad Hall, you got to physically own that, you know, you got yeah. to have that. In your back but also pocket. like you never know, like you, you'll see people like editing the movie out from under the streamer. <laughs> right. Like I think Avatar just got edited for Disney plus and like oh, yeah. random stuff like that. So you never like you want the physical thing so you know it's the movie you just saw. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's something more valuable to owning something you can physically either hold or like do something with that you never know what's going to happen to the digital whatever or like, you know, when they find a problem in the movie like the Game of Thrones coffee cup is now going to be edited anytime you see it, but if you own the original, you'd always have yeah yeah you know what's an an interesting one is i just saw uh the original matrix at um the new bev and uh, yeah it was it's that's like one of the movies that i always point to is like got me into filmmaking but um it was interesting to see because you know the the like grade on that film is always so contentious like what's Uh, the real one right because like after the second ones came out they went back and made it greener and all the shit so it was really interesting to have recently just watched them all because the fourth one came out and then go and see an actual 35 millimeter print of it from 99 and go like, Oh, okay. That's what, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Same for like, you know, all the star Wars people that 
prefer the original release and the new ones that come out are just, they say, don't even bother. So no. yeah. <laughs> Were you a big uh, Star Wars person at all? Or like not necessarily I, yeah, Star Wars, but just like those kind of. liked it, but I love it thanks to Grogu. That's my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we all do. I mean, man, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I was watching Boba Fett and then when it turned into a continuation of Mandalorian, it was like, you know, great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. actually have a weird flex. Two of my friends work at uh, um, Legacy Effects. That so is. Yeah. My buddy Carrie made Grogu's ears. Oh, that's so cute. That's, right. Yeah. <laughs> practically the best part. Yeah. Uh, that is. So if you'd say that you met Grogu, though, that would be, I would just, yeah, I would I leave. I would be that. so jealous. <laughs> and yeah. Alt F4. Um, <laughs> I heard uh, you went to Full Sail. That was at one of those schools that I think uh, a lot of people back in like the early 2000s really considered when trying to get into a creative field. Um, oh, how yeah. was that? How was that experience? I, I guess you can't compare it to like a quote unquote normal college, but uh, how was that experience for you? Because I, I did hear you say that you ran into the issue where looking back on it, you left some opportunities on the table. And I feel oh, the right. same way going to like a yeah. traditional college. I feel like just college in general and being that age, it's somehow, you know, not in effect that you need to take it. I mean, some people are good at it, but I just feel like I really started taking advantage of opportunities and stuff you know, that I had access to after college and realizing the real world's here, like do something. Right. But college was more like fun. But I also think that's where I found being like the DP was the route I wanted to take. Cause I, before that, I never knew like what in the world that position was or that it existed. You know, I kind of thought the director did all of that, you know, Right. but uh, yeah, it just seemed like a super cool position just to be over the entire look of the film, which is like the, one of the reasons why we like certain movies is the way it made us feel, the way it looked, you know, I was like, that person's cool. I might do that. And, you know, now here we are. Um, I feel like there was great opportunities. There was cool equipment there that you could kind of run out and make your own stuff. There was a lot of knowledge, like lighting that I could have took more advantage of that. I feel like coming out here, I, that wasn't my strongest thing, but I think as a DP kind of needs to be, you know, <laughs> your strongest trait, but yeah, if I would have took more advantage of that I could have came out here at a more elevated level but I like to think things happen for a reason uh, eventually I found this all this knowledge that I have currently but it could have been sooner if I would have been smarter you know yeah but that comes well, with age I hear yeah yeah the the uh, the reason I ask is because like for a lot of people who went to film school whatever that question always comes up you know, is it worth it? And and the answer oh, always right. is like, it, uh, it is. <laughs> well, like, I think, you know, with anything in life, it's what you make of it. So it right. can be worth it if you're willing to put that in. But also there is 
a good benefit of just going straight into movies instead of learning theories or what proper equipment name is or how to make proper knots. You know, it's great, but you can literally learn that on set too if you're allowing yourself to do it. But then, um, you know, sometimes we all have bigger ambitions, especially at a younger age when you don't know exactly things don't work like that. Um, you know, you want to go to set and you want to not star as a PA. You want to be an operator. Well, that might be where school might would come in handy instead of being like, hey, new on set first time. You can maybe fake it a little bit with film school, having some knowledge. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's heavy benefits as to just going straight to set instead of going to school first. Yeah. But we, uh, same going straight from school to set, you know, it's uh well, and I, we've always said that kind of uh, it's, it's, you know, you can learn, especially with like the internet now and, and whatnot, there are certain like hard right. skills you can learn, you know, cause I always say like, you can learn how to, how to fix a head gasket on YouTube. It's not so great to learn like creativity on YouTube. <laughs> it's not, you don't want to yeah. learn from other amateurs yeah. on how to Which- be a professional. Is a lot. Yeah. I mean, technically you could also learn that by watching movies and like why certain shots are shot like a close up or like, you know, why a focal would be chosen as to be like more wide, but still close. Um, yeah, you can do that too. I don't think you can learn at that point. You're still learning someone else's creative choices um, just by doing is the only way you're going to kind of learn your creative choices, you know? Yeah. Did you, uh, did you kind of leave school with like a, maybe not a built-in network, but any friends coming out of there? Or did that kind of just be like, and that's that and then move, move on. To it was, them? yeah. Yeah. It felt like that. And that's not go, go on whatever you want to do, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. The thing with that one is that it's in Florida. So you know, if you stay there, I think more connections would be there. But uh, no, the dream is to live in Los Angeles, right? So about two weeks after we moved here, the um, benefit that we did have was some distant family down in Orange County that we were able to live with and then find a place and not just, you know, pick a random area and see what it was like. Right. You know, we were able to explore or able to take on jobs because even coming you know, to say Burbank from Orange County is still a lot closer than coming from the East Coast to Orange County. I mean, to Los Angeles. So, yeah, that was a benefit. Um, but no, just kind of came out, knew my sister. Yeah, I would just go to like random places like Panavision and see what was up, meet a few people. Eventually, you start learning about networking events like Cinegear and AB. You meet people there. Um and yeah so just came out here didn't know anybody but i guess that's all right because that's kind of the the, i find that um area interesting for a lot of people's uh the beginning of their career because every you know everyone has some weird way that they actually started getting on set um it's it's very rarely just like I met a director in college. Like you get your Ryan Johnson, Steve Yedlin combos where it's like, we've known each other since we were 12. You know, that's right. very rare. Um, <laughs> but so you're saying that you kind of like met 
that that first day on set came through actual like events like that or was there kind of a, a different connection oh it was probably no way more sketchy like craigslist or something oh yeah. okay yeah yeah i think just came out and trusted the world really like all right free but food great credit could use that um hmm, i don't know it's nice to work for like low or free because when you don't know what you're doing the people kind of you you know you don't have to feel like you know they get what they pay for i guess uh which is nothing but you know yeah those are also the the moments to really shine and i i also like one of the times you might have the most passion to really be good is those um so yeah you would go on a sketchy set and there's generally someone you know that doesn't belong there that does bigger stuff and then you can meet them and it will lead to something better. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah, if you come out somewhere with no connection at all, you just got to go for it, really. Um, yeah, because yeah. that's it, it's a it's a tough one. But you're, you're 100% right. Like every set always has someone who's yeah, kind of just taking that Like, gig. you're good. Yeah. What are you doing here? Remember me for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Did... Uh, talking about skin, uh, gear and stuff are you like kind of a gearhead or, or did you kind of oh yeah yeah um, i love equipment big nerd especially lenses are yeah great um but lighting as well like if i were to invest in something right now i would buy some lights but i have no room for that but it yeah, would be so I, exciting. yeah but lights are also like i could see investing in like a quasar set or like the Astera tubes, just because yeah. fucking everybody uses the Astera tubes, and you can, and you can park them at a rental house, and yeah. But yeah, like buying like a, a sky panel or something would just be like, why? Why? It's like hundred bucks to rent. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it would just just be nice to, you know, those one times when you're like, ah, oh, wish it, but it's not in the budget. But if I had it, I'd bring it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could also, you know, light your room with it when it wasn't working. So. True. Yeah. I'm using a $100 Godox <laughs> diffusion. Perfect. I invested in a lot of diffusion for some reason. I bought like rolls of diffusion in gel thinking it was really going to matter. And then oh, LEDs yeah. became very popular oh, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the diffusion is still good, you know, it's gel, very helpful. Yeah. But yeah, diffusion's a, a good back pocket, you know, tool as well as just a white bed sheet. I bring that everywhere and it yeah. gives you a nice soft light, you know, a cheap um, muslin or something, but it works, you know? It does. It's nice soft light versus your heart, but yeah. Did you, so did your um, sort of like lens love come from knowing friend of the pod, Jay Holman? That's, you know, you're the only person I've met who knows someone else who I interviewed, so. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I the love for lenses has to be elevated because I read this book that's coming out sooner rather than later, like really soon. Um, I'm the first human to complete that besides the authors, you know. So, yeah, after I mean, you know, that definitely started. A, um, he like introduced me to a good selection of lenses like k35s fds that started like a real love affair with vintage lenses um and then yeah it, it's like i think there was always part of me because 
um, people, well, they always want to judge and say, whatever you did the opposite. Right. So when I bought like a camera and they're like, Oh, you should have bought lenses. They were like, going to be got the same advice. longevity, whatever. Um, I was like, great. But like the point of investing in equipment was so that I could bring it on set. And if I invested in a set of lenses, all my stuff's going to look the same, you know, because it's all about the lens that brings more of a separate look than the camera. So that was a million years ago. So I always feel like lenses came over camera when it came to, you know, what I preferred when I dropped a lot of money on equipment. It was because I'm not an AC and I didn't know how to go the route to DP besides jumping to it. And then how are you like a kid and say, hire me, you know, at least with the camera, it's like, well, I come with this and they're like, I guess, you know, and then when you get a second call, it's generally not because of the equipment, you know, what you did. Um, But yeah, if you want to make money with the equipment, lenses might be the better option. Um, But yeah, that's, that was always my thing was why would I want that when if I had a whole set of cook lenses, they're all going to look like that, you know, (laughs) or if I had all of the FDs, they're all going to look like that. And then when I shoot cars and I want to get that detail, you know, it's not going to be as sharp unless I close down. Right. So. Right. Cause that is a question that I think um, a lot of people coming up tend to have is like, will owning you know, classically the red uh, get you jobs? And I think maybe reds when it first came out, maybe, but it does seem like you get a red and you're just like literally the first person who has a hundred dollar music video. You're their first call. (laughs) Well, I also, especially with their two new like camera system, having just the Komodo and the Raptor to offer everybody and their mom kind of owns the Komodo, you know? Um, But I'm also really jealous of that option because you can literally own this really nice piece of equipment for, fairly affordable price you know yeah the raptor does look sick oh yes yeah i mean that one's yeah about 20 or so but to have a full frame sensor capable of all that is at that price yes i'm highly jealous of these options you know i'm not sure now I, i if it's like a requirement or like if it's beneficial um in my case it was beneficial to own something because I, I didn't have the work um, or the network or anything to say, please hire me because, you know, why should we hire? Why, why, why? Um, at least with that, it was like, well, you know, do you, you want an airy camera, right? I got that. Cool. Great. Okay. Oh, you, okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it worked. Um, yeah, that was the point. And it mostly worked. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think my only regret would probably be not getting the mini because that thing would have. But you would be paying that off until you're 50. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would just be rented all the time, which maybe that's why the universe pointed to the Amira. It's like, because you'll have it whenever you need I've it. Always thought, I've always thought the Amira was the better option. Maybe not the one that people oh, use I a do. lot, but it's the better yeah, option my by personal. far favorite build but um 
we still got to pay bills or pay camera off. I feel like the mini would have done a better job of just doing that sure. like within two years, probably maybe yeah. better. Um, the, but yeah, <laughs> that wasn't it the point is, of it. It is funny because there's those like foot in the door things that I think the Amir probably wasn't better. Like even would you, would you still pick that one up today if uh, given the option or do you think a different uh, body would? I don't know. I'm like better? trying to do like a car shoot for fun because that's what we all do for fun. Right. right. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had a mini because otherwise I got to get another camera because mine's so big and I want to put like a zoom lens because it's car shoot. So like, you like if it had a prime on it i could throw it on a ronin too with no right uh power besides the straight power you know we would be pretty set but no yeah and then <laughs> just yeah so you know i yeah there's still times i'm like ah oh, hmm wish i had a mini but yeah i mean that's yeah. kind of why i got this c500 because it's like a mini, but it's still got all the kind of Amira features, let's say That's um, true. You know, XLRs and internal NDs right. and uh, still, all that kind of thing. And it's, and it's very small and user-friendly, but yeah. uh, pretty much no one hires, no one hires that camera. It's only good for, because I color my own stuff and like can really use that, um, that raw light and like really dig into the image and make it look really nice. So it looks good on my yeah. reel. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and the clients are always happy, but <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the good thing about the airy name is that people do hire with that. My favorite thing is like, oh yeah, you have the Alexa, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're yeah. like, cool. I'm like, it's the Amira, but I think you meant the airy, but whatever. You know, no yeah, one ever cares. They don't fucking clearly know. it's the same sensor, so it doesn't matter. Um, which I also think a lot of people don't understand is that you can use the Amira versus the many unless you're doing anamorphic and you're going to get the same image right did you when you were uh starting out with that package how how are you pricing yourself not like specifics but were you just kind of only saying give me the day rate i'll just come with the camera or were you pricing it into yeah, your kit or, or you know i would see like an offer um and i would be like all right well you know i'm sure this is overkill but i do have an area that i can bring along too and i feel like some of that uh got me the job um so yeah i still have a hard time when people are like what's your rate you know i would just rather you tell me what's in the budget because if it's worth it then i'd rather do it i hate missing out on opportunities because someone thinks i'm too expensive because i'm not you know putting that out there but um <laughs> yeah yeah i would much rather just hear like what do you have and let's work something out you know yeah, I've, I've definitely because I right now primarily do a lot of like corporate work and stuff because that's just after the past two years. That's I mean, that's around. a nice day. <laughs> Generally, it's almost a nine to five and you go home. And uh, oh, my God, that's the great thing. They yeah. do not want to be around after five. Yeah, no, so, they get they got a real life to go home to, you know. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's a little yeah. it can be stressful because it's like a shorter day. But at the same time, their expectations are so low that like. You can do like a really good but simple job, not simplistic, yes. but just like a nice, yeah. you know, and it, it well, it's one of those yeah, few things where like a pretty frame generally works. <laughs> I know you can uh, do some nice light shaping and you're almost, you got one set up and you're done for the day and you don't have to like 
overthink that one like shot that you did out of 20 that just wasn't up to par, but the rest were, you know, like, you don't have to do that on those corporation days, but yeah, I love that. And, and sometimes those are the nicest pain. <laughs> like you just yep. show up, sit up and go home. Well, that was going to be not my... soul fulfilling, but it is. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pays the rent, but yeah, it doesn't make yes. me feel great. Those are those days where, I mean, it doesn't make me feel bad, but, uh, but what I was going to say was they yeah. always go like, what's your rate? And recently I've, I've having done a handful of them in a row, I've found that I just pick it, pick a number that I'm like extremely comfortable with going out for. Yes. Oh no. Like I'll, I'll give them like a full deep, like, cause if I go, I'm the DP, the director, I'm bringing all my own gear and I'm editing this. I will charge them for all of that. Right. Then, well, you have to make it worth it because you're not getting anything else out of it. You're not getting like that feeling or, um, creative pleasure it's like well i really don't want to do this but if they agree to this price i guess i'll do it and they do you know well they they usually do i've but i have but to your point i was going to say that i found that a lot of times even if they're like that's way out of budget they usually don't end the conversation there and go like sorry we got to move on i'll usually just add a little tag like if we need to work something out we can well, you also know when they circle back, they might have reached out to other people and they got similar price points and they're like, oh, well, we just were expecting a lower price, but you know what? I guess this is good, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that uh, being being incredibly personable in emails is a is a skill I definitely had to learn. Oh, well, that sounds like a nice skill to teach everybody. <laughs> I wish I could. I'm listening. It, Am I my- not being personal now? No, my knee jerk reaction is always like, hey, idiot, this is, you know, like it's I I have like a short temper with not short temper, but like I can be very, uh, you know, people asking you to. Yeah. Well, (laughs) people asking you questions about stuff they don't they should have like looked up or like have an opinion on or anything like that. But I guess you're the problem solver for like those corporate gigs where they're just like, we don't know what you do. It's a black box of magic. That's true. That's true. I think that's why, you know, when they start asking around for others, they'll either see that the price was the same or or start realizing what they actually are paying for, you know? Yeah. Um, I did want to know, how did you get uh, linked up with Holbin? Because that's uh, um, you're kind of in this. That loser? Cool... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a very it's very cool that like you got uh, involved with the ASC kind of so early in your career compared to a lot of people. Oh, I was always involved. there, you know, before Jaya. Anytime I had an open house or event, I was like, gotcha. or still am like the annoying person. Like they're probably like, would you please stop coming here? Um, <laughs> but yes, I always found myself there. And once things open back up, you know, it, it, there are plenty of events that can get anyone else there too, you know. Um, but Jay specifically, Going back to events like Senegar and NAB, um, we initially met at a Zeiss launch party for the CP3s. Um, one of my Zeiss people was like, hey, you should meet this person. I'm like, hey, person, you know. And then we kept running into each other at NAB, um, which then led to he needed someone to sit in for like a light test for a class he was teaching. I was like, all right, great. And we did that. And when, then, then that led to a music video that we did, um, the next month. Um, and then that led to a feature that we did 
the next month and all of that led to the friendship that we have now like aside from my twin sister that's my best friend so yeah I always find it strange if anybody thinks that he's like this cool like big person I'm like that's just Jay you know right well the, the reason I ask um, is just because the uh again like the 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 networking getting involved with the I thought maybe you met him through the ASC but um I did not know that was actually thanks to Zeiss. So that's cool. It, uh, I'm sure we would the- have met somewhere, maybe on the ASC, but I don't know. Yeah. It was just that initial, you should meet this person from my Zeiss rep. Um, were you going to like the, like sort of ASC master classes or just those kind of like open houses that they used to do? <laughs> oh yeah. Just like the open houses or, um, you know, they have the photo galleries or, uh, uh, like red had an event for the heliums. I think there, um, a lot of things used to happen, but I mean, clearly they don't right now because everything right. COVID wise. Um, yeah, somehow, I get invited to the award show for the past three years, probably not this year, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would just, yeah, try to be there. Um, but don't want to over say it, but now I do. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, the last time I was there was for filming some interviews of some of the members for this project that's releasing soon. Yeah. Could, uh, what's the value in going to those besides obviously the knowledge and, and sort of um, meeting people? Like how, how do right. those events come about or not come about, but you know, like, what, <laughs> like if someone well, wanted someone to go to one of those, if someone starts um, with an email. Yeah. Yeah. Should we have an event? Um, I think, you know, when you get out, it's like, what do you want to do? What do you want out of, meeting people. Do you want work? Do you want a colleague? Do you want a friend? Um, going to the ASC is one of a fun event and it gets you in within that club that we all like idolize and want to be part of, but it doesn't get you work because what you're doing is meeting your colleagues. You're meeting people going after the same goal who, unless, you know, we all have like oh, I'm not available. Let me send this person. Some work does come out of that. One of the things I need to do better is meet directors or meet producers. Those are the people who are hiring what I want as work. Um, So I need to be better about going to like film festivals and events where not just DPs and camera people show up. Um, That would also more so be something less, uh, you know, motivated by cameras like Cinegear and NAB, although NAB has a lot to offer. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say something that you're going to get out of going to places like the ASC is like connections in within that department. Um, you'll find friends you can, you know, talk to or like be depressed with when you're not working. Or you can find people who will recommend you when they're not available. Uh, but if you're looking for more like... <laughs> people who are generally going to hire you, it's better to go to say a film festival or like a release party for a film and meet other filmmakers within other departments, you know? Yeah. Uh, So yeah, you just gotta figure out what you want. I I think the biggest thing is networking and at any film 
you know, revolving event you're going to network with anything. I think also a good thing if you do want to hang out specifically at the ASC is uh, looking for like, like mentor kind of people, because that goes a long way. Um, clearly, you can't just be like, hey, looking. Bring me on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so hard to come by. Um, but if you even just had someone that would answer one question via email, you know, that's still an up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I will say every I think every single ASC member I've interviewed has been like at the end of it been like, all right, well, here's my email. Like, here's my phone number. Call me if you have any questions. You know, (laughs) well, if I had more stuff going on right now, my questions would be like, so what's your favorite sandwich? Like I got, you know, nothing going on. But sometimes them questions are more like easy to answer. Yeah, but they're (laughs) but they're all incredibly nice. Um, right. But I would say the same for anyone I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, I, the kind of meeting directors and producers thing kind of does pull me around too. I know you, you were saying that you were editing together like a new reel oh, and I was right. wondering, yeah. and I was wondering what your kind of, uh, take was on the importance of a reel or what its service is. Um, you know, are you finding you get a lot of jobs from that reel or is it more just kind of like a look at me, I, 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 I know what I'm doing kind of thing versus, oh, right. I mean, it has to be a little bit of both when you are still kind of on like a smaller level. I feel like a reel is important just so, um, it's hard to send like a lot of selection of work and be like, watch this 20 minute episode if you like this and then watch another, my whole feature catch on Amazon. Like it's hard to get someone's attention span for that long. And I think with the real, you have the ability to put the best shots together that you want people to see uh, within less than two minutes and they get a feel for all your, what, you know, you can do the whole spectrum. So I feel like, yeah, you get to a certain point where you no longer need a real, I am not there. Um, and then you can be like, I shot this Netflix thing. Here's my Disney plus series. You know, you can be like that and people are like, great. Or you, you know, you get an agent who sent your workout and you're like, yeah, you, here's your 10%, please. Thank you. You did all the hard work. Love you. You know, you get to do that. But yeah, when you're smaller, a real is kind of important. Uh, and I think you can actually have fun. You can put some personality into it. Um, and again, you have the ability to put your favorite shots, your best shots, uh, that will really sell your work. Um, it's fun and it's frustrating at the same time. It's taken me four years since my last one. Um, I came out with a new version of it. Uh, but I sent it to two editors who didn't like the song choice. And now looking back, I didn't either. So I started over again and, um, I think I finally, we're almost there. It's a February goal. Like I wrote it down, like come out with a new reel. And once you put it on paper, it's all official. So it's coming out by the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the, was the music more, uh, cause that was a, when I just re-edited mine, uh, yeah. the music choice is so important. And I would been using a song by Q-tip for like four years. And yeah, someone cool. was like, you need to not have like copyrighted yeah. music. Yeah, mine was, was like, a little oh, okay. unorthodox, so they were. It, it was different, and I don't think it's quite 
it's it's uh it's more like what you don't expect which isn't a bad thing but it mm-hmm. can it can be you know if if you're like if it takes you by surprise like i'm not i wasn't expecting that I'm, i don't know about that one but you know like i don't want that so i need i needed a more like typical like inspiring song instead of right. like it was more like a, a down but it had a great message of like a new day and uh like waiting on the sun which is perfect because that's our job but <laughs> since the the editors didn't like it i was like yeah i, I don't want it to mess with it at all so yeah the uh the right. sort of <laughs> the yeah. the formality or i guess the it, it's yeah, interesting because like yeah. like you have to make a reel a certain way like you can't like you were saying like it's fun to inject your personality but i, I feel like yeah. if you do it too much then people are like this guy doesn't know right like what like, reels are for or how to do it if you start putting in too much dialogue it's like aren't you like the visuals like we don't care about the i don't know i don't know i was also trying to put in more scene like work and i think that's like vital because like we tell stories within the way we shoot it um but yeah i've limited some of the dialogue so there's still a little bit um but not as much it's it's more traditional like so yeah yeah. well it's it's you know speaking of uh you know the the amira and and a reel or whatever and like this kind of foot in your in the door thing Mm -hmm. like the because as you said, like you, you may have get hired for your camera package, but you won't get hired the second time. Um, you may have, I'm sure this is might be mildly annoying to talk about, but uh, <laughs> I think you have the second most followers of any DP on Instagram. It goes like Roger Deakins and then you. Oh, no way. Um, yeah. No, there's still wondering... like Greg Frazier, Reed Morano. Oh, maybe. But yeah, I, when I, yeah, when I was. I was trying to find because I was like, may- maybe, and it's like you're Should certainly in the top list? five. Sure you my- yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 um, no. There's way more. And I'm wondering, a, kind of like, how did you finagle that? But b, uh, how has it helped you, and in maybe in any way, how has it kind of hurt you? Oh, I think like I really t- never want to be seen as an influencer, and like with a certain following, sometimes you can get that title. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want that. I've really stayed away from accepting brand endorsements because that really feels influencery. Unless I really like it and I would give them free promotion anyway, so you might as well send me your stuff, right? right. Um, but just taking something and they want a post from it, I'm like, Mm-mm. I don't, I, I don't want to be an influencer. I really don't. I think it's good to have a following because people will like throw some legitness to that. Like, Oh, well, uh, people like this person. We might as well too. Um, <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's gotta be more beneficial than it is like harmful, but, um, yeah, I, I clearly you don't need that. Um, I don't really know much benefits besides, yeah, if I send it over, it does look, pretty pretty professional i guess um unless you atone like or like if you like affiliate (laughs) followers with like influencers or something else like oh you're only have a following because you're like not that ugly you know or like oh you only have a following because you're like a minority or whatever like 
oh, okay, great. You know, <laughs> there's always that, um, which is, there's probably like truth to that, but you do want to like, um, I don't know. I enjoy seeing like Reed Moreno or like Rachel Morrison behind a camera to be like, oh, well, you know, I look like them. I, I can do it too. Um, sure. So I do like contributing to that. Like, Hey, you know, it's okay. If you look 12, you're five foot. That's me. <laughs> um, you can do all of this too. <laughs> so yeah, I, I enjoy that part of like when someone's like, Hey, uh, I did this cause I saw you said this. I'm like, that's kind of cool. You know, like, huh. People yeah. listen. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, the only reason I ask is because uh, me and my tattoo artist were talking about it, how she was saying that it's frustrating because she needs that for her job, but she's very much not <laughs> like technologically inclined or anything like that. Doesn't know how to use the system, but for some reason, uh, and I mean like the system, like the, the algorithm, yeah. right? Not yeah. how he's fucking Instagram, but um, just that idea of like, there, there is an intangible legitimacy to having 54,000 followers that doesn't have anything to do with your career and only excites people who have no interest in, uh, or I shouldn't say no interest, mm-hmm. but it, it excites people who it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if people like, but they like it as a selling point, you know, it's, that's but again, true. it's that thought of that, like foot in the door. That's interesting. I mean, I think it's a weird facade cause it's new. Like I can't go back and, um, look up how Conrad Hall dealt with it, you know, right, didn't right. have an Instagram account. Um, but social media in general is still pretty new, but I think like everything else make of it what you can said another tool, another way of networking, yeah. um, no matter how many followers, but unfortunately there is some like legitimacy, like depending on whatever, how many, whatever followers you have. Yeah, I think it, it is a beneficial, um, but it's also opens the door to uh, certain titles of influencer or certain hate, I guess, which is strange, but people like questioning if you really know what you're talking about or uh, wanting to, you know, I don't know. I think there was people like, I remember someone was just like, why, why, why an area? Like I have a GH4, it's just good. Like people that just want to say the complete opposite just because they're looking for an argument or want to like dethrone, like just throw it like, yeah, catch you saying something stupid, which is another new thing. So yeah, then in the world of like being canceled, it's like almost not worth living for because anything you do and say can be said in any way you didn't mean it um yeah yeah. but at this with this job and with this that amount of followers it's not that hard you know it's not like a million or it's not like yeah everyone's just watching you to do i think generally it's nice to know that people out there are supportive and um yeah i enjoy it it is a it is a weird thing that like like you said like it's new yeah. And so I, and so like, what it's do, like, like, does it matter? Like, is it going to be here in five years? Like what if Facebook goes down, you know, like it, as a yeah. company, you know, and it kills Instagram, like then what? 
does, well, it ma- I, does I all that stuff matter still hard yeah because like with instagram stories you get more uh i feel like like feedback and people reacting versus now posting on what the people call the grid with all that but like if you start stalking someone you look at the grid and then it's like but i want to post a story because someone's going to respond to it and it's like but then when this person yeah there's like so much useless thinking that goes into a simple post that takes away from some of the real life i feel like well for for me it's like i've always loved sharing photos like that's duh you know i had a flicker back in the day when that was people using that but uh back in the day but uh i'm now i'm thinking about that like at the at the start of the new year i was like all right if i want people who are looking for a dp to take me more seriously do i only post like really well composed frames and like me and my friends hanging out goes (laughs) out the window or do like what's what's my voice behind this stupid box or whatever you know i don't i've um i feel like from my take that your page should show some personality it should show some work and it should show some gear and have a nice balance between all of that because if i'm going to stock like an ac that i might want to hire and i just see nice frames you don't get a feel for who this person is or if you guys are going to have a nice like vibe or like what they enjoy other than cameras yeah i i want to see more uh, than that so you can start looking and tagged and then you're just going full stalker mode but like yeah i don't know i think we have to it's always at two in the morning yeah. and you accidentally like something scanning through you're like no 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 no. <laughs> yeah and then do you unlike or do you just leave it there you know? I, I unlike like, okay. I, I filmed yeah the hashtag i don't know it came up you know um yeah. oh yeah I, yeah no i was just scanning through other shit i didn't know you only posted that four years ago <laughs> i don't know why it came up on my feet you know, like the discovery things, the universe. The algorithm. You never know the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, I don't know. I feel like we put way too much thinking into something that should, should like be simple. But if we that's are putting this much thinking, I mean, I guess clearly it has become a tool. So. Yeah. Well, well and it's just weird to hear like, it is weird to hear like older kind of like, you know, blockbuster shooting dps talk about like yeah i guess i have to have an instagram now and it's like did it did your agent tell you that like damn (laughs) yeah i wonder who puts these like requirements out um you were talking earlier about um getting an agent i did has is that uh come up on your radar yet because that's certainly something i've thought about and friends of mine have thought like do we need that is that helpful at all or yeah i i think we do need that to get some of the better jobs and to do some of the negotiating that we're not very good at. Um, I would love an agent and I think it's within a few years to get maybe the right one. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to sell myself, what I can offer them because most of the agents that you want already have the talent and a lot of it to like, break between all these jobs right so it's like what can i offer i think um i did one time have like a bigger agent reach out um because of my car work uh and they don't represent any female car shooters which you 
you know, I don't get why you would need to be female, you, you know, whatever. Oh, that was like something but, in the email that they yeah, said, like, oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Fucking so, rad. yeah, it's great. It was a female agent, by the way. Um, so I don't, you know, I mean, use what you have, but I feel like uh, after a narrative reel, I am specifically coming out with a car reel and I feel like that'll be more, that could be my in like what I could offer. Um, while I don't believe you need to be a certain gender or whatever to shoot certain things, if, um, someone's looking to check off a box, I guess, whatever, I do want to eventually be in a place where we are just hired for talent, regardless of what you are, you know, what you have. Um, yeah. The parts. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But in such a creative and competitive world you got to find something right um, yeah no, i've said that for like years like when people get jealous you know you're thinking about the gh4 person who's probably oh, yeah. a guy let's be honest um but just that person who's like we've talked about that a lot in this podcast actually recently i don't know if the episodes have come out when this comes out i don't know they're all jumbled up now but uh the idea of people who will get incredibly educated on a subject or are able to get 90% of the way there image wise, because most cameras are excellent at this point um, from like an imaging perspective uh, and, and get mad when other people are either, like you said, using quote unquote better gear or uh, doing jobs that are higher than their, than that person's station, because they believe that all that knowledge made them, makes them just as good not realizing that that shitty attitude they hit you with is what's keeping them from the job <laughs> that's true i mean also going back to social media i think uh you know you can be whatever you want on there and only post what you want which is generally our highs uh it's also like a bit mentally like bad because you start seeing your competition or other people work and you're like, why am I not working? Or right. like, what what did they do to get this? Like, I don't know. And then generally you find out like, oh, I just posted that so people think I'm busy. And you're like, hmm. So like I was mentally down because this person is trying to pretend to be busy. And you're like, wow. I mean, it's great for a lot, but it's also bad. Uh, I try my best to post some of the more like real experiences instead of just yeah. everything's great so good living the life i'm killing it i hope you guys aren't (laughs) Um, yeah i did have awful days yes yeah um i did have a question this is apropos of almost nothing um i I remember hearing you uh say that you you had kind of struggled with artificial light favoring um natural Natural, light kind of early on and I was yeah. wondering what were the, some of those things that helped you uh, sort of bridge that gap? And what are some of those like lighting ahas that you had that kind of made you go like, oh, this is what makes it actually look like the movies I'm looking at oh, and not, her. you know, was it just like discovering good ratios or like what, how did that come about for you? Well, we can't share the magic. Um, yeah, I think doing a lot of things naturally, you start to you should start looking into like what why do you like that um why is like instead of shooting directly into the sun and putting your talent like behind it why is that better and you start figuring out well it shapes the person better you know front is hard and ugly and flat 
So take your artificial lamp as if it was the sun and then place it, you know, where it was and, and start finding these, um, natural, you know, good light and recreating it based on it. Um, and then, and then, you know, you start realizing what shapes the face, like what makes good lighting, um, what gives dimension. And then you can just start doing that with, with lamps. And then you can further do that by diffusing that light and, uh, or blacking it out. So it only hits a certain face and not on the wall. Um, that's fun. I think experimenting with it and you do not need a sky panel or the big tools to start doing that. You can take a lamp from Home Depot, which is hideous. But if you take a bed sheet from Target, aim the lamp at it, you get a nice soft source. Um, and then it, it looks, it, it doesn't look like a cheap lamp, you know, it starts looking more expensive uh, and it starts doing that. And once you, kind of finesse working with faces, try a car because that it takes a whole different set of skills to light and it starts becoming more about something reflecting off versus just throwing it right at it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think learning light is the key to better visuals really. Uh, for me, it was helpful to have someone, you know, that used to gaff that would teach me more of this stuff. Um, yeah. And then doing, like, I enjoy, like, all the lower budget stuff because you get to be more hands-on with the gear. And if you skip the ladder like I did, but you have to gaff for yourself, you're kind of going back and learning. Uh, and then also you can appreciate when you get a real crew because you don't have to do what they're doing, but you know what it takes, you know? Right. Um, yeah. If I could do G and E work and be taken seriously, I would really enjoy that. But I just know I would show up and then be like, okay, can you really like do that? Can you lift that? Probably not. Um, One hand, yeah. you're just like, yep. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna work on that just to show up and just do it get the lats you know yeah yeah <laughs> um but clearly yeah i think if you find a natural eye with a natural light you you know what you want um it's just a matter of how to get it once you have to create that environment yourself yeah I, uh, I i did want to touch on uh the car stuff because growing up i was an enormous fan of of top gear um, oh, nice. And I, and I always wanted to make because their car cinematography is just insane, right? They're like right. historically known for elite, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that always inspired me. What kind of a? I I, I never actually uh, parsed out what um, sort of got you into car cinematography, but also like kind of what excites you about it, and um, what uh, you know, what are those kind of maybe those lighting things you learned about hard, right. as they say, um, modeling hard body objects. <laughs> Well, I got into it by, it was just a job that paid and that was regular. So I was operating under this DP for a special like car built series um, with Nelson racing engines up in Chatsworth. 
and I would go there and operate and kind of learn under the uh, original DP. And um, yeah, it, going to a car shop like a nine to five day wasn't that fun. But when that DP moved um, to another country and they needed some shots. So I guess that was the call because, you know, I was working underneath it. Um, I was thrown into it as the cinematographer now, and that's when I found a passion. So I, it was just a job operating it. Didn't know it. Um, but when you have to light the certain stuff and you get excited when you bring out like this really, you know, black part of the engine that had no detail before, but when you shine like white light at it and you can start seeing it, like that's exciting. That's like a passion. That's, you know, what makes it fun is I guess the lighting. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the first thing I shot that was exciting was a big motor worthy of 2,200 horsepower and uh, <laughs> yeah, able to make it pop, make it look good. Um, and all of this beauty stuff is shot within the car shop. Uh, so we're just bringing that on. Um, it took on a lot, you know, and it, it was hard and it, it was again, a passion because you were given so much to do with so little crew, but I was just enjoying it. I was opping a jib while opping a Ronin at the same time, you know, oh, Jesus. Skills. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm currently, uh, transcoding all of that red raw to pro res so i can finally come out with a red reel i mean with a car reel not yeah. red reel some of it was mary so not red reel um we'll cut that but, yeah uh but so i could come out with a car reel but i look back on it and i'm like this stuff is like exciting it's cool um my favorite car i've got shot i'm not sure i'll ever top it is um the one that engine was for with the 2200 horsepower uh its name is maximus it was in furious seven when oh, okay. you know the famous paul walker vin diesel scene that's what vin diesel's driving is oh, so car. it's like a camaro type looking thing or no it's a charger oh it's okay, like okay. Big, yeah big huge body and it's uh expanded so it's the ultra charger it's like huge um yeah because that's because his car always has the engine block like sticking out of the top of it doesn't yeah it? well i know this one didn't uh but i think in the movie and i don't watch these it was his dad's car gotcha I okay. yeah i I've think i've seen the seen first movie. two i don't yeah. <laughs> i saw the fourth one which i thought was the first because they almost have the same title but it was on oh, right <laughs> yeah engine yeah. builder also has a car on the fourth one so when that came out i knew it was the fourth like oh okay great yeah um so that, I, I don't know, maybe I hope to shoot a cooler car than that, but it's pretty high up there. Um, at the same, you know, I just shot that on Monstro, so it was like full frame in your face, you know? Right. So I'm excited so, to cut a car reel. The only thing holding me back is all this 8K raw footage. Yeah, just waiting for a laptop yeah, to check through it. I don't know. Yeah. That show had like legit editors doing it, so they didn't need like proxies or anything. Mm. now i'm like well i wish i did that <laughs> yeah. but I, didn't. Uh, I never i don't know what i thought uh, i clearly knew enough to like get the footage but is there a uh like a 
what are what are some of the main difference main differences between lighting a face versus an engine block or like a, a you know maybe a yeah. wide of a of a car? Well, I love comparing it to like Greg Fraser talking about lighting the Mandalorian, where it becomes more about what's out of frame because oh, in the know, helmet, yeah, it's it like it. lighting that because it reflects what you see. Uh, you know, if you shine a light right at it, it looks shiny and nasty. And you're like, but uh, it's lit. Why was it? No, like you're supposed to, you know, instead of shining a light right at it, take it like soft light, um, take a white piece of whatever you have uh, and aim a light through it so that the engine can reflect it instead of just, it, it can't really like absorb it so it just shines off and it's so nasty looking you know <laughs> it just becomes more about what's off of frame uh because you are gonna see that light even though you, you know with a face you don't see the fixture but with right. a car you or an engine or any kind of sheet metal you see it you don't know you're seeing it but you are um so what you throw off camera becomes part of the image which is interesting yeah at the so car how shop, you... yeah oh, we ahead. had a built-in like top light that is still there you know <laughs> nicely made uh i think it was like 20 foot long to i don't or longer than i don't know but it was huge um that the original dp built and i helped but uh yeah <laughs> so i was learning what he did and that was a huge help to um learn a lot of this stuff um we had that uh, if i had like a bigger shoe i could rent some sky panels that you know could either skip over the engine nice or you could throw below so give a little shape um aim it at just white board or white sheet you know it's all fascinating uh you yeah. can really get creative with some of it um i so remember having to oh yeah God, sorry. okay i was shooting uh the maximus charger which is bare metal and i was shooting it in the car shop and you know when i put it on the camera you could see the entire car shop because it reflects <laughs> what you see like that thing is a mirror like you just see it um Luckily, all my camera equipment was black because I'm dumb enough and buy pink stuff. So luckily, the stuff I was using was black. So even though maybe you would see like this triangle thing, it, it's not too like out of the ordinary. But when I saw the entire car shop, I was like, oh, man. Luckily, um, they planned to build another top light for the, the other side of the car shop. So it was just as long. Uh, I was able to take the diffusion they were going to use <laughs> and oh. just put it all over uh, the side of the car. So it reflected white now and it looked clean. Um, oh, like on the floor? Not on the floor, but like pretty much covering the the view the car had of the car shop. Oh, I see. I see. So I see. Instead so, of so seeing, laid up, but yeah, okay. all the tools, the windows and everything in the car shop, it now saw white, luckily. Uh, and it looked clean um, and it looked like how the car was supposed to versus like, I mean, it's cool because it is bare metal. So like clearly what you see is what you're like reflecting, but yeah, I don't know. 
I'm still excited for that one. So probably yeah. the real opener be that that charger. That'd be cool. Yeah, I uh, I'm 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 fascinated by car cinematography. I haven't done any, but uh, you should I've do always... you want to some. I can put you in. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Please Let call me because I I uh, like I said I was a big fan of Top Gear growing up, so that like that's one thing. But I always feel like car, when you see car commercials like on the Super Bowl and stuff, half of me's like. That looks dope. Well, except for when they do the VFX, you know, like just the digital car that they always chuck and everything. But like that's true. Um, the Blackbird. Uh, but it always just looks like a, like a fun. I don't want to say easy because it's clearly not easy, but like a fun challenge that is simple to execute, but hard to do. I don't know if that makes oh, any yeah. sense. Like it just feels fun. It feels like a fun challenge and it sounds like it is. Yeah. I mean, the hardest is definitely if you have a silver car or just chrome or anything because that thing sees the entire thing. I, I love a like nice black engine or car because it hides some of that. Um, it's challenging for sure. Um, and if you're out doing a car shoot on the road, you have to rely on the weather and the cinema gods and everything to bring out good stuff. Um, the one time I did a like nice moving shot, it was like a nice diffused cloudy day, um, which is great because it looked like the sky was a nice top soft source the entire time. But now I want like some of that hard like specks of light coming off of the car. So I'm hoping the next time I go out, we get good weather as the handmaids would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like watching again, watching the, like car commercials, I always imagine that the like the f- camera car has to just sit where there's no reflection where the, like the headlight is like they just have to find that spot and be like, all right, no one <laughs> can see true. us drive right here forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. If you're given if it's not the bare metal car, I think you're good. I enjoy a nice and low angle like they did in Ford vs. Ferrari because it is like that was a great movie. coming down and uh you can see the road move with it so you're getting double the movement seeing that in the camera right yeah so uh, it's fascinating and fun um i can hook you up with some nice beauty shots if you ever want to try it out see if it's I do. Thing. great great um, <laughs> <laughs> perfect it's done um Mm-hmm. We've gone a little uh, over time, which I apologize for. But uh, the way we uh, tend to wrap these up is okay. asking the same two questions, which sucks because I, 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 they, they kind of stole them from me. The, the Miami's guys kind of, I'm going to say they stole from me okay. even though it was two years ago. But uh, first <laughs> one, but I'm not going to change the, the format uh, just because someone else did. You can't. Uh, yeah. First one is uh, 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 a piece of advice that you were either given or maybe a quote that you read that has stuck with you over the years. I don't know. I remember hearing someone say that Haskell Wexler told them to sit whenever they could because uh, we just have such a stressful day and you're almost like punished if you sit down or take it easy. But I think like to keep your, you know, body well and, uh, you know, we destroy it so much already by putting this object that doesn't belong there for such a long time. Uh, if you have the chance to sit, you should do it. Um, I think it's going to give your day a longer time of 
uh, usefulness of just taking that certain rest that you do need, you know? I think something new about this world is we are starting to value some of the things that were once looked down upon on. Like, I don't know why, I mean, I guess like sitting down seems like you're doing nothing, but now we see it's like something good for you, something you're taking care of yourself by giving yourself some rest. And it's not that you're doing nothing, it's you're doing the same thing. I mean, a lot of times we'll operate and it's a chance to sit and like your grip or someone hand an apple box. I'm like, no, no, I don't need it. Like take it, you know, like be good to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But the American think, work ethic is changing. Yes. Um, a really hard piece of advice. Cause I'm not very good at it is uh, to like be easy on yourself like mentally for sure. Um, it's easy to second guess and start thinking worser things when you're not being hired. Um, but that's not true. Like it's nice reminder that we all have times of not work of like no one calling, no one's working at the same time you're seeing your friends go off and do things, but then you know, if you really evaluate, would you want to be doing what they're doing? Maybe they're in a different um, department. Maybe they're doing reality. Um, and you're looking at it like, oh, I'm not working. I don't want to work. I mean, I want to work. Um, but do you really want to do that? Uh, sometimes, I don't know. It's such a high goal. The ladder is literally higher to do it. So, yeah. well, you know. and enjoying your off time too, I think is something going back to that work ethic problem. Oh, yeah. like enjoying off time is difficult for a lot of, certainly for me. And then eventually I think the key that I've learned is not slipping into preferring off time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's easy, right? Yeah. I, sometimes it's like you literally can't win when you work, you don't want to. And when you're not working, all you want to do is work. I think to take advantage of off time is the best way to spend your off time. If yeah. you're not getting hired and you want more narrative then you better make a narrative real. Um, you know, if you're not being hired, but you want to shoot a certain style, watch a movie that is in that way and figure out what made it great. You know, there is, we have like the best homework when it comes to being better literally to study the greats you watch a good movie um there's ways to make use of off time instead of being depressed because that's a certainly popular way to spend it um (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah even worse yeah comparing yourself as to why is someone else working and you're not um so yeah i think it would just be best to like figure out what you want to do and, and find a way to make it more possible, you know? So I want to shoot features. I want to do narrative work. Um, during my last, you know, days of off time, I finally coming out with a new reel. So I like to think that will attribute to like getting the kind of work that I want, you know? Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll time the release of this with your reel. So it all, well, 
We know it will be at the end of the month. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I know. Let me know. I'll figure it out. Uh, (laughs) It'll be a Thursday. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, Second question, maybe a little easier, maybe harder. Uh, Suggest a movie for people to watch that isn't yours. Okay. Um, I suggest searching for Bobby Fisher shot by Conrad Hall. And photographically, that is a brilliant movie. And, uh, you know, it's sad if not many people know about Conrad Hall, but Conrad Hall inspired whoever your favorite DP is. I can guarantee you that. Um, So I want to keep his work still elite and uh, hopefully become other people's favorite cinematographer, too. Because, you know, he's literally one of the, you know, who Roger looks up to, you know. Um, So if you start seeing DPs that inspired your DPs, then I think you can get more in their head, too. Uh, So I would highly suggest that one. Any of his work, really. I mean, in Cold Blood is kind of kind of cool, but that's going back to the black and white days. So (laughs) depends on how you know, what year you want to go. Uh, but yeah. Bobby Fisher, I believe, is on Netflix, so. There you go. Oh, watch. Yeah, and yeah, you've the, seen it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, I remember that. I remember uh, when that came out, it it was the same time that, um, at least in the rental store I went to, there was that poster, and then there was also, oh, shit. Um, I think it was like an Adam Sandler movie or something, but for the longest time as a kid, I confused the Bobby Fisher movie with like a completely different comedy. And I thought I had watched Bobby Fisher, but I watched that comedy and people kept talking about it. Like it was a masterpiece. I was like, I don't know. I thought it was okay. Right. Right. It's kind of funny. You had a good moment. Like it's about chess. And you're like, wait, what? Oh yeah. No, it's so nice. And it's uh, like the way he shoots it. It's like being told, you know, by a kid's point of view and uh, the lighting, I mean, is clearly, great it's it's conrad hall so i feel like that's another suggestion if you do not know who conrad hall is get on that yeah it's if you look up interviews with like a lot of the older older dps that they always refer to connie and they're always like yeah "Ah." well i'm not cool enough or (laughs) i didn't know him to call him that yeah but a flex of mine is that my american cinematographer manual is signed by haskell wexler so no shit. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite thing. It's like, if I get other people to sign it, they're like, this is okay. You know, like it's, it's like a cool conversation starter. It's not your you average. Didn't tell me that. Cause now I'm going to bring mine to the <laughs> to we, next time they have, you a, have uh, to, it's, it's like a, it's a yearbook, house. you know, like I, I never hey. would have thought of that. I'm totally doing that now. <laughs> right. No, I have a lot like Roger and, Reed and Rachel and um, Russell Carpenter, you know, a lot of it. But um, I was at an event and I won like a million terabyte G drive or something. Not that, but, you you know, and someone else won this manual that came pre-signed by some people. And I was like, I really wanted that. And, you know, this person saw the G drive, like, you know, that's, so great and i'm like i will trade you and even though it was probably like worth 
more. Like I totally won that, you know, uh, that is like the coolest thing ever. Um, but yeah, Haskell was one of them and yeah, you can't put a price on that. So I'm so excited. Yeah. Whenever I (laughs) have the winner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just knew what I was trading, I guess. Like who wants a G drive with like a lot of storage? I do you can build your yeah. own. Yeah. I, I've been shucking drives and chucking them in this like Synology box for like, I have like for less money. Uh, well, I don't want G drive to get mad at me because I still want G drives, but <laughs> you can, you can make your own like NAS for pretty cheap, relatively cheap. If yeah. You like. Well, the other, I don't know. I did a lot of, I had like a whole monstro affair that I just shot everything in 8k. And I was like, that space went by so fast, you know? Yeah. Um, I've since learned proxies are the way to go and maybe just shooting per res in general, especially for a lot of what I do is enough, you know, color range to just play around with. Um, I don't know. I've done like a little bit of effects that comes on handy there, but no, I mean, HQ is pretty much a good enough Kodak to just do whatever you really want to do, especially like real wise. Um, Do you color your own stuff? As a prologue to that question. No, oh, okay. that's why it looks pretty good. You know, if I did it, it would be, I have two projects in my current reel that are not colored. And I do mm-hmm. want to throw it out there that it is worth coloring uh, and getting professionally colored. Cause I think that can sometimes set apart like an okay visual versus a really well shot, you know? Sometimes yeah. it's the color because uh, you can have a light with a bias of yellow and it's like way too yellow and you're trying to do it yourself. But like these tools that colorists have are just out of this world and they can literally elevate. Um, so if you want to sell more expensive work, it's worth putting in uh, a session with a colorist because yeah, it can make a difference. A lot of like some of the low budget I shoot with colorists in mind because I don't have the adequate crew to like take a certain light off the wall like by this much because we don't have this and that and maybe they don't understand what I'm saying. Uh, but I'll shoot with the colorist in mind. I'm like, all right, well, the face looks good, but later on I'm going to take that right down, right? Yep. And something that would be like maybe a 20 minute fix and po- uh, I mean, on set is only a, a 20 second fix and post. So yeah. once you do start learning the limitations and all the stuff and coloring, you start to learn a whole new tool that you have on set. That was um, literally my pandemic project was I, I, I wouldn't say that I am a colorist cause that would be demeaning to real colorists, but like, I've colored two features. So (laughs) indie features, indie features, but like it got to that point over the pandemic where like I had done enough color work on my own stuff that like some random people online noticed and were like, Hey, we shot this movie. Do you want to do it? Okay. But you're right. It's like being able to, yeah. Now, you know, all the stuff too, as well. When I, I, yeah. When you're talking about like, Oh, that I need to flag that off, but I don't have enough time. That's always in my head now. It's like, that's yeah. easy to bring down or knowing yeah. more specifically what so you can't easy. fix. A lot of people hate like fix and post. Um, and I agree if the budget's there, but if what you're working with, you know, if, if you know the easier way, 
is going to be like taking it down in post than do it, you know? Yeah. Well, especially if time becoming yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, like giving someone else that job is, could be annoying, but if you're like, I will do that in post later, it's like, oh, go for it. Oh yes. But you also have to make sure there's a color section because people will say there is one there's oh, not, yeah. or maybe you're not a part of it. Like you gotta almost make a contract. Like when I do this, there is a color session and I am there, you know? Yeah. So, well, cause we've talked about that a lot on this podcast is like the cinematography right now and probably for the rest of forever has one foot squarely in post and one on set because your image can be, I've, name drop Steve Yedlin 14,000 times on this podcast, but like, he's right. Like you can kind of make as if the data set that you're getting, you know, raw or really a really good, um, compressed codec, if it's good enough, you can do a lot of, you can really manipulate the image to in a way that is not what the DP intended. And if you're not part of that color session, like you're saying, it could be anything at the end of the day. Yes. Or, uh, things that your eye is like, now tuned to that people don't get like if you have two cameras and one's like a stopover and some people it, it doesn't they don't see that which is good because vast majority of the audience probably won't see it but when you see it it's like so cringe it's like that was the most easiest fix you know yeah so well even if their brain doesn't notice it their heart will yeah you know well, it'll just, throw them yeah. off yeah something feels off you know and you don't want that uh, even if you can't pinpoint what it is. Yeah. You don't want it. It can take you out of the story at some point. So like going from one camera to the other, it's like, ah, oh, one's overexposed or one's underexposed or whatever. Um, the, the most frustrating part is when you see stuff that you weren't part of the, like how easy that would have been to fix, right. you know, or just, yeah, I remember we did this music video that required, a person that was green screen to be like doll sized. Um, and if they just would have brought some of the contrast down to match the plate, it would have sold and it was not a hard fix, but you just need just that trained eye or whatever to be there so that it can be pointed out. And I feel like, yeah. you know, if I, if I have a director, or a producer that doesn't, necessarily think um color is needed i will bring them to another session to see how it elevates a project and all the possibilities that you have i just you know every every project could use it everything you know so it's a must but just be sure that it's going on before you get it in your mind like i'll fix it later and then be sure that you're a part of it, you know, otherwise take the 20 minutes because it, they're never going to fix it the way you want. If you're not there. Yeah. They're going to slap <laughs> a K one S one on it and call it a day. Yeah. Like that looks great. All right. You know, you want, is it lunchtime yet? All right. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the color stuff, you know? <laughs> well, uh, for us, it is lunchtime. So I uh, yeah. really appreciate uh, you giving me the extra time. That was a, a lot of fun chatting. Well, it's an off day, so, you know, I'm just going to go finish the reel and do other checks off the list. But I appreciate you allowing me be here. You have so much heavy hitters that I am like a fish out of the water that's a random person, you know. Not true. Now you're a fish in water. Yes. (laughs)
well, now I, you know, I have some coolness to me. I'll be like, I was part of that podcast. You know? I, I hope, I hope and pray you'll be able to say that without irony <laughs> at some point in the near future. I think um, so. Yes. I appreciate your conversation and being conversational and making it fun and easy. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but like I said, I'll let you go. Thanks again. And um, yeah, well, uh, stay in touch. That sounds good. And thank you. Enjoy your Wednesday. Bye. Frame and Reference is an Owlbot production. It's produced and edited by me, Kenny McMillan, and distributed by Pro Video Coalition. Our theme song is written and performed by Mark Pelly, and the FNR Matbox logo was designed by Nate Truax of Truax Branding Company. You can read or watch the podcast you've just heard by going to ProVideoCoalition.com or YouTube.com slash Owlbot, respectively. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>